Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're not uh, too disappointed that Pastor Nathan is not here today, and uh, you'll be encouraged to know he'll be back soon, and he's asked... uh, Asked me to fill in for him today. Uh, I've a uh, message that God's put on my heart, and I've, I've written it out. I, I've written it out, uh, and uh, I'm going to just basically just read it this morning. Um, some of you know me, and you know I, I love words, and I use a lot of them, and, and uh, I like to, uh, you know, include a lot of detail and so on and ramble and you know sort of like this and and uh, so for the sake of our time today I've, I've written it out and uh, going to read it and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to speak to each of our hearts and uh, make himself you know make Jesus more real to us today so this morning if you're looking for more meaning and purpose for your life you're in a good place God has put a message on my heart that will inspire you to live your best life because we're going to look at how Jesus lived and use his life as a model to live by. So let's unpack this a little bit. Think with me and ask yourself, do I have the assurance of my salvation and know that if I were to die today that I'd be in heaven with Jesus? Ask yourself, do I believe what Jesus says about himself and about me? Ask yourself, am I drawing closer to Jesus and walking with him day by day? Am I living as Jesus lived and is my life reflecting his character? Each of us gets to choose. We get to choose for ourselves how we respond to the challenges and difficulties and opportunities in life. It's a daily choice to live our best life. We, we must learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus and hold to his teachings. All of life is about relationships. And following Jesus is about an intimate relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, Pastor Nathan shared a message on how to be free, how to experience real freedom. He declared that the freedom that Jesus offers means being free from anything that would hold us in bondage. He made it clear that if you want to be free, the best thing you can do in any situation is obey the teaching of Jesus. Believe what Jesus says about himself and believe what he says about you. The first step in obeying the teaching of Jesus is to accept his offer of salvation by grace through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and be born again by the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul declares in his letter to the Ephesian believers that we've been made alive in Christ for we become new creations in Christ. For we are his workmanship, created in 
Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians chapter 2. We're called as believers to be Christ ambassadors, to represent him in this world. We are to reflect Christ's character in every area of our lives. To put the truth we know into practice. We are to imitate Christ and display his truth in the way we live for him. We are told in God's word to live as Jesus lived, to relate and interact with others as Jesus did. Now point one is as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, we're to watch and learn and practice what we see him doing. Jesus is our example. You know, as his disciples, what does that really mean? You know, disciples of Christ, they spent time with him. They followed him around. You know, they hung out with him. They observed what he did. They learned from what, he, what they saw him doing. And they began to practice what they saw him do. Jesus is calling, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus is calling you and me to a, a life of total obedience to what he tells us to do so that we will enjoy the favor of God upon our life, our family, and all that we do. And I want, I want the favor of God on my life and my family, and I want the favor of God to be upon you as well. We are called to surrender everything to Jesus. We're to identify with Jesus, who he is and all that he is, and be his image bearers. Now, if we choose to do this in faith, we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life of obedience that honors the Lord, and you and I will experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Point two, in God's word, we are instructed to live as Jesus lived, to relate and interact with others as Jesus did. As followers of Jesus, we're to watch and learn and practice what we see him doing because he's our example. Ian Thomas declares, the Christian life is nothing less than the life Jesus lived, then lived now by him in you. So the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. Our relationship with Jesus and our relationships with others. We live our best life when we ask Jesus to live his life in us and through us. One of my life verses is Galatians 2.20. For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, the, by faith in Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Now in the remaining time we have together, I want to share four ways that we are called to imitate Jesus and obey his teaching. We are to love, forgive, accept, and serve others as Jesus loves us, forgives us, accepts us, and serves us. Point three, Jesus tells us to love others as I have loved you. One day Jesus declared to his disciples, 
I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. John 13. Uh, notice this is not like a suggestion. This is not just an instruction. Like It's not just, hey, this would be good if you would kind of statement. It's a commandment from our, it's a divine commandment. It's from our Lord and Savior. We're to love others as he has loved us. I looked up uh, that word as. As means in the same way or manner. To, to do as I do. We are to imitate Jesus and love others as he loves us. How does Jesus love us? Jesus told his disciples, as the Father, as the Father loves me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide is, you know, to remain in, right? Abide in that love, with that awareness of the love of Jesus, which is the love which, with, with which the Father, his Father loves him. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5. He didn't ask you to get your act together, to change. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He had a plan for us. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And he made a way for us. Jesus did not just come and say, I love you to us. He stretched out his arms and died for us. Love is action and behavior. This afternoon, I'd encourage you to look up 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 4 to 7 and just read through those verses and, and see what love in action looks like. Jesus' love is a sacrificial love. It's a redemptive love. His love is a grace-filled love. His love is a forgiving love. What does Jesus' love look like? The song, Worthy is the Lamb, describes how much Jesus loves us with these words. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. A few days ago, I was listening to uh, praise and worship songs, and my attention was captured by a song about the sweet, sweet love of Jesus. And as I was rejoicing and praising him for his sweet love, a question popped into my mind. How sweet is your love, Rob? I thought, oh my, perhaps I, well, perhaps I should ask my wife Peggy. Mm. <laughs> well, let's move on for the sake of time. Um, Jesus told his disciples, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we love as Jesus loves, Jesus says the result will be that the world will know we are his followers. It's because we identify with Jesus. When we love as Jesus loves, we are identified as his followers and we can impact those around us in a positive way. 
Loving like Jesus loves is not an easy task, but it's made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Point four, if we choose to do it, the Holy Spirit will empower us to love others like Jesus loves us. Everything Jesus did while he was here on this earth, he did it with the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I, I don't do anything of myself. He relied, the Son of God relied in his, taken upon himself humanity, he relied upon the Holy Spirit to empower him to live that life that would honor his Heavenly Father and that would fulfill all that he came to do in obedience to him. So it's interesting to note that all four of the Gospels cover the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four cover his baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our eternal high priest, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, loving us, and, and he is willing and he will baptize us in the Holy Spirit if we ask in faith for more of his power to, to represent Jesus well here on this earth. Point five, Jesus tells us we must forgive others as God has forgiven us. As his followers, we're called to imitate Jesus and obey his teaching. Matthew 6 for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know, this word offend, you know, we sometimes feel a right to be offended. I had a friend about 30 years ago, I can still see myself standing out in the driveway of his house and talking with him, and he shared a, a word of wisdom that just was so helpful to me. He said, you know, a wise person is not easily offended. A wise person is not easily offended. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Two weeks ago in the, in the second service here at Graceland Church, we witnessed a father baptizing his son right over here. A father who, before God delivered him from drugs and alcohol, was estranged from his son for many years. I hope someday we'll have them share, you know, more of their story. Uh, just the week before, the father asked me to pray with him. He wanted his son to get saved through faith in Jesus and by the power of God to be set free from drugs and alcohol. You know, it takes the forgiveness of God for any of us to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. And it took forgiveness on the part of this father and his son 
for their relationship to be restored. You know, forgiveness requires us to surrender our pride and the feeling that we sometimes have that we have a right to be offended. The psychologist Carl Rogers suggested that in order for us to narrow the gap between the present self and the ideal self, you ever felt that gap? <laughs> I have many times. But in order to narrow that gap, we need to engage in unconditional positive regard. This means we are to reject negative self-talk, which is often filled with the lies and accusations of the enemy who wants to destroy us and our relationships. How do we, how do we reject? What's a good way to reject those, that negative self-talk? It's to replace it with what God says about us. Replace it with what God says about us. Our regard for ourselves and for others should always be positive. In other words, people do not have to do anything in order to receive positive regard from you. Now, this may sound bizarre. However, this is exactly what Christ implores us to do. To love each other as we love ourselves. To receive forgiveness while offering forgiveness even without an apology, to extend grace without any condition. Now, how do you know when you have truly forgiven someone? A few years ago, I read a book about forgiveness written by Carol Arnott. Carol's the wife of a pastor, and, and she knew that she was to forgive others as Jesus had forgiven her. She struggled, though, for many years trying to forgive her mother for the way she was treated as a child and for the way she was being treated as an adult child. She was frustrated and wanted to be free from the resentment and anger toward her mother. When she asked the Holy Spirit to help her truly forgive her mother and find peace, Carol was told that she must forgive her mother from her heart. When you forgive from your heart, you forgive without any expectation in return. Carol found victory and a restored relationship with her mother when she forgave while affirming in her heart that her mother owes her nothing. Too often, you know, we forgive, but we expect something in return. You know, and if we don't see it, we get frustrated and maybe even a little more resentful. We can truly find peace and be free from any resentment and anger when we forgive from our heart without any expectation. Being able to say, that person owes me nothing. Brings freedom. Point six, Jesus tells us to accept others as I have accepted you. As his followers, we are called to imitate Jesus and obey his teaching. Romans 15 says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. You ever think of it? Kind of like a aha moment here. 
You mean God can be given glory if I just accept somebody? You know? Took me a lot of years, sorry to say, to learn that you cannot judge a book by its cover. You know? Don't make some assessment quick about someone. Get to know them. Get to know them. Be accepting. We're all at different stages and growth and levels of development. And God's working in each of us. And you can trust not only God to work in your life, but you can trust him to work in the life of that person that's annoying you, you know? He can, he can change us, transform us. Therefore, I urge you who have been chosen by God to live up to the life to which God called you. Always be humble, gentle, patient, accepting each other in love. You are joined together with peace through the Spirit, so make every effort to continue together in this way. Ephesians 4. One of the greatest uh, ministry experiences Peggy and I have shared together was when we were directors of Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a camp for foster children ages 6 to 12. It was a camp in Oakland County, Michigan that we were part of for many years. As directors, we had to recruit and train 100 volunteers in order to put on a great week of camp with all the special events for 48 to 50 foster children. We learned from that experience the importance of accepting others with their different personalities, quirks, and unique giftings. You can't get 100 people together for a week at camp uh, and have any kind of harmony without accepting each other and appreciating and valuing each other and, and, uh, and our differences because we all bring something to contribute. As part of the training, all our volunteers completed a color-coded personality test and we shared our results with each other. It really helped us be more understanding and accepting of each other's strengths and weaknesses and and it helped us to serve well together at the camp. And there were many positive results because at RFKC, the kids discovered that there's a God who loves them and that not all people are like the ones that have hurt them. One girl, when she was old enough, came back to be a counselor at the camp and she shared about her favorite moment as a camper. And I'm quoting her now. My counselor was braiding my hair and, and, and just telling me that no matter what happens in my life or what other people made me feel, which was unwanted and unloved, that I was a child of the king. I think about that every single day. At camp, I learned that I was accepted and wanted. And that was a big deal for me, she said. Now, I pray that everyone, from the first time they enter our church, or even when they turn into our driveway, that they will sense the presence and love of God. I pray that for each of you, that you will sense the presence and love of God and that you will know this is a place where you belong and where you're loved, where you're accepted, where you're valued. 
Now here's the fourth way that we are called to imitate Jesus and obey his teaching. Point seven, serve others. Did you know this was coming? (laughs) Serve others as I have served you. Jesus is our example. Let us all here at Graceland Church continue as followers of Jesus to serve each other in our community well so that all may see that we are followers of Jesus living and loving as he lived. And I am so thankful for all the volunteers here at Graceland Church that are serving us well. So many of you, so many. Uh, Peggy and I were driving in this morning. We're not usually here for the early service, and we're driving in, and there were already some cars along the drive, and some way parked way back toward the road, you know, making room for other people to be able to park closer. And I just was thankful. I said, Peggy, it's just wonderful to see people loving and serving God and serving us, you know. And told Oscar, I appreciate he, him being, you know, he's in, in charge of the, of the service and making sure every, opening things up, you know, and, and the order of service. And Pastor Nathan says, Rob, all you have to do is get up and preach. I said, oh, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Oscar for all you do to serve me and others. Mark 10 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life to redeem many. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're speaking rightly since that's who I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. John 13. Back in the Bible days, washing the feet of your guests when they came to your house was just part of their culture. But now, but now, how do we wash one another's feet nowadays? We can serve by doing things for others when they need a helping hand, like mowing a lawn or raking their leaves or taking a meal or making a visit. Without being asked, our son Michael for many years in Michigan cleared the snow from the sidewalk and driveway of the widow living next door. And if you ever lived in Michigan, you know that's not an easy task. (laughs) There's lots of snow in the wintertime. A few years ago, I read a book by Chuck Swindoll. Uh, He's a pastor of a church, and he wrote this book called Improving Your Serve, which uh, is not about tennis, but um, he shares in his book a, a story of one day he left the church office. He's driving home, and pulls into his driveway, and he sees a man washing the windows of his house. One of his, one of the members of his church, and he gets out of his car and says, what are you doing? The guy says, I'm washing your windows. Chuck says, you don't have to wash my windows. The guy says, I want to wash your windows. And uh, Chuck said he, he had to learn from that experience that it's not only important to be generous in giving, but to be gracious in receiving. 
some of us find that difficult, you know, to receive. You know, you're more inclined, happy to give, happy to do something for somebody. But, but uh, sometimes we, we don't have the right impression about who we are in Christ, you know, and that what we deserve or don't deserve. Let's see what Christ has done for us and realize that he's purchased us with the precious blood of Christ. We're of great value in the kingdom of God. So now, now that we've unpacked this a bit, this last point brings it all together. This is point eight. We are called as believers to reflect Christ's character in every area of our lives, to put the truth we know into practice. We are to imitate Christ and display his truth by the way we live for others, as ambassadors for his kingdom. That's every believer's purpose. Looking for purpose and meaning, you're called as an ambassador of Christ. Represent him. Represent him well here. We can only do this by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us. We become partakers of his divine nature and character. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we get to know Jesus. He reveals him. He reveals Christ's love, Christ's nature, Christ's character to us. And we become more like Jesus and have the power to live as he lived. So let's say together, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you. In order to live as Jesus lived, you must first be born into the family of God by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Have you invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior and Lord? If not, right now, admit that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. I'm, I'm going to invite our worship team back now. And as our worship team leads us in a song, and our prayer team comes to the front, I invite you to come and share with one of our prayer team members your desire to receive Jesus as your Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your opportunity to turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Receive the gift of eternal life. Let me pray this benediction over you and um, you'll be, uh, dis- will be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. God bless you. We love you. 